0: Thank you for downloading today's UW alumni podcast. Today's special guest is Michael O'Kane, law and arts grad, but also the senior policy officer of building and energy division. Hey Michael, how
1: you doing? Oh, good thanks, Josh, how are you?
0: Very well, really keen to hear about your time since leaving UWA because you know you've you've been in this new role for about a year now, I yes. believe. So, be keen to hear about that. But yeah, what have you been up to since graduating?
1: Yeah, well, look, first of all, I had a fantastic time when I was uh, here at UWA. Had a lot of wonderful experiences both throughout my studies and all the various clubs and societies that I was a part of. When I finished university I was quite keen on the concept of being a commercial lawyer so I started off my post-university career in a large commercial law firm and I found that I really enjoyed the technical side of law, but I also discovered that I was particularly passionate about the broader policy issues that underpin the law. So that's led me to have a a couple of different uh, career shuffles throughout my time after university. I moved on from private practice into a state government role, working in intergovernmental relations and energy policy. And then subsequent to that, I was offered the opportunity to work in a combined legal and policy advisory role at a industry trade association, the Housing Industry Association, which is the, the peak body for persons engaged in the residential building industry. So for me, that role was particularly interesting because it combined both my interests in law, but also my deeper passion for, for policy development and implementation as well. And I was there for a good five and a half years before an opportunity arose last year to join the state public sector again, this time working at the Building Energy Regulator and I've found uh, that to be a very rewarding role. It's a a pure policy-based role, so I've moved on from uh, just doing legal advisory type work. This is purely policy advisory and still in the building industry as well, so it's been a very interesting experience.
0: Did that law background help you in this current role?
1: Oh, absolutely. The law background has been uh, invaluable in my current role. Certainly the skills that I picked up whilst at UWA Law School have stood me in good stead to be able to analyse legislation and also engage with, some of the, the broader philosophical and policy issues that underpin lawmaking in this state. So where did the
0: passion for like policy development come from? Because it's not something I guess people grow up a <laughs> <have laughs> passion for. Well, isn't? yeah, I suppose
1: you don't wake <laughs> up, uh, you know, in the morning as a child and think I want to work in policy when yeah. I grow up. <laughs> You know, I found it was something that I discovered I had an interest in over time. Um, Throughout my studies, I did not only a law degree, but I also did an arts degree. So I combined uh, the technical legal studies with also studying history as part of my arts degree. And I think it was really through studying history that I started to discover my interest in policy in terms of the, the sort of broader themes that emerge over the years that you see get factored into lawmaking, how different public perceptions and attitudes change over time. Uh, across history and how that feeds into the kind of laws that might be in place at one particular point Mm -hmm. in time. And then when I was working initially in private practice, engaging with the law and then also gaining an insight into some of the, the broader policy issues underpinning it, that's when I decided, look, uh, working purely in law is, is not really what I'm gonna be looking at doing long term. I, I want to have a bit of a broader career than that and be able to engage with um, policy at a much deeper level, which is certainly what I can do now.
0: Now in your day job, with at the, in your current role I should say, uh, you know you're working quite closely with the local building industry and i yes. noticed the stat that you provided me was you know there's forty two thousand three hundred sixty one businesses operate in the local building construction yes. industry I mean, which is amazing like but how many of them do you currently engage within your role like do you are you engaging with all of them or is there a subsection of them
1: Yes. Well, working in the state government, um, we don't get to engage with each and every person in the industry because it is a massive industry in Western Australia and also Australia wide. In the first instance, um, my role would tend to be engaging more with the peak industry bodies, um, such as trade associations for builders, residential builders, subcontractors, uh, engineering, civil sector as well. So in the first instance, that would be the, the level of my contact with the industry. I'd be interfacing with the industry through their peak industry association and then once we start getting into the more nitty-gritty uh, elements of developing policy, that would actually involve meeting people on a more one-on-one basis to hear the stories of people in the industry, what they're experiencing, what their issues are, and what things that the government can do to, to maybe um, assist them or deal with issues in the industry to, to make the industry run better.
0: Now, do you collaborate with, with these leaders or is it more of a case of they're like, we need this from the government?
1: <laughs> it, it can be both. Sometimes it's a case um, in the policy making process that a, a particular entity or industry participant comes to the agency and says we've got this problem and we, we need it to be addressed. Sometimes i will come with potential solutions, other times it will be a case of coming with a problem and asking the government to sort of look into it and, and workshop some potential options for addressing it. But other times, uh, issues in the industry can be identified by the the government and and also by the, the state government agencies that support the government in carrying out its policy work. Uh, in my current role, um, our department administers a, a whole range of different legislation that affects the building industry, so from time to time at the departmental level, issues might be identified with respect to how certain legislation operates and ways that it could perhaps be tweaked or improved to, to better serve the interests of both the industry and also the broader community as well. So really, the, the policy-making process can, can kick off in a number of different ways. Is there much conflict that comes in your role? Sometimes there can be um, some robust division of opinion, (laughs) (laughs) to put it lightly, and I think that's a a natural part of the the policy-making process. There's a a diversity of different views as to how the law should be, what kind of interests the law should reflect, and the extent to which the the law should offer certain levels of protections to to different parts of the community. So I think... uh, division and divergence of views is an inherent part of the policy making process and one of the the challenges of of my role both as a a state government uh, employee and also having worked in policy uh, in a a private sector environment at the Housing Industry Association is really striving to identify areas of potential consensus amongst Mm. industry participants and a broader range of stakeholders as well so that policy that's developed and put forward actually captures a wealth of different interests and needs in the community.
0: Now I'm really keen to go back to your time here at UWA because there's one thing that you did is volunteered at a community legal centre yeah what inspired you to volunteer there
1: Yeah, well, I started volunteering at a community legal centre quite early on in my studies, and I was really motivated by the fact that I was enjoying my legal studies. I wanted to to step out and start getting some legal experience. Um, I was particularly interested, again, in really engaging uh, more with people on a one-on-one basis, which perhaps uh, working in a a more private law firm environment wouldn't necessarily offer me at that early stage of my studies. So I, I took a position at a community legal centre. It was a mental Health Law Centre based in Northbridge, which was a a very interesting and challenging role. I was volunteering there once a week during my studies and really got an insight into the the kind of human issues that interface with the law. So dealing with people who might be in a position where they need to to take advantage of certain protections under the law, they're not quite too sure how to go about that. So at the Mental Health Law Centre, we'd be assisting people in that situation uh, in getting the assistance they needed and the protection of the law as well.
0: Are there many challenges involved with volunteering
1: there? Oh, absolutely, and and certainly one of the the key challenges was actually dealing with uh, clients who don't have a, a very strong understanding of the legal system. And that's one thing I think uh, we can take for granted when we go to university and study things like politics and history and law. There's a certain familiarity and understanding of the legal system that kind of comes with that. Uh, but if you haven't really ever had a, an opportunity to engage with the legal system before, then as somebody who might be in trouble and needs some help, it can be awfully daunting. And that's where community legal centres come in to, to help people who in particular are quite vulnerable and in a position in their life where they need a system right away, but they don't have maybe the financial means to, to seek assistance from a solicitor in private practice.
0: How did the opportunity present itself? Did you personally reach out to them? Did someone you go to university, go made you aware of it?
1: Yeah, I reached out to them. So at the time, uh, they had a section on their website and I was trawling the internet for, for lots of community legal centres that might be looking for, for people or might be open to the possibility of having somebody come in once or twice a week. So I found this particular community legal centre and they had a section on their website where they uh, allowed people to express interest. And um, I heard back within a couple of months and and started working there soon thereafter.
0: Was it it encouraged, I guess, during your time at university to look at extracurricular activities and to volunteer?
1: It was very much encouraged and especially um, in the law school, there's quite a strong student society, the Blackstone Law Society, which really supports and facilitates students uh, being able to obtain some experience early on in their career, early on in their studies. So whether it be volunteering, uh, say, in a private law firm, working in a private law firm on a fee-for-service basis or volunteering at a community legal centre, certainly those opportunities were, were there and they were very actively encouraged.
0: Now, I'm curious, how did you end up working in the construction? Industry? Well,
1: it's an interesting question. Um, I somewhat fell into it, to tell the truth. When I was at law school, when it got to the, the point in time that I was doing vacation clerkships in law firms, uh, I would express an interest to, to work in their property law divisions, but for some reason they kept on putting me in their construction, their building construction litigation teams. And Thankfully, I found that I really enjoyed it. I found that I enjoyed the the nature of the construction industry, the the types of people, the nature of the work, actually physically building things and in the context of construction litigation, resolving disputes regarding the actual construction of things. It's a very hands-on type industry. Uh, There's lots of interesting issues, lots of interesting areas of law that the the industry is uh, subject to. So really that was my first exposure to the construction industry the vacation clerk. Did you
0: ever ask why you keep putting me in this division? <laughs>
1: yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, uh, with the firm that I ended up taking a graduate position with, I I had asked, "Oh, you know, how come I I've been put in the in the construction area?" And um, the the view expressed by the HR person was that they had assessed that I had a t- certain uh, technical mindset that might be suited to, to working in that particular area. And I've, I've certainly found it a very enjoyable area to work in, both in a legal capacity and also in a policy uh, role as well.
0: I think that's great to, to hear because it's quite eye-opening, especially for a recent graduate where you've got your mindset in maybe a certain area. And then yeah, you go, oh, absolutely. And because you're not really exposed to that when you're at university because, yeah. you, you know, you're not really exposed to the HR side where you go, oh, we well, notice that's right.
1: these skills. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. And I think that's one of the benefits really of when you're at university, um, you might start off with a particular mindset of, oh, I want to work in this when I finish uni. But it's, it's really not a case until you start actually getting out there into the workforce and, and trying lots of different things and volunteering that you mm-hmm. kind of discover um, that you might have certain interests and passions you might not otherwise have thought of or somebody else thinks that you might be suited to something mm-hmm. and you, you end up having a shot at it and really enjoying it.
0: Now what's been probably the most challenging aspect of your career so far?
1: Most challenging aspect of my career so far, I think is really in a policy context. And it's one thing that I observed both in my previous role working in a trade association and also in my current role working in pure policy in the the state public sector. It's really one of being in a position to accommodate all the different divergent views that exist as to what the law should actually be, uh, to what extent should the law intervene in the private market and and confer certain protections, whether it be to consumers or people in in the commercial industry, really being able to identify areas of consensus and common ground in that context, I think has really been the challenge because ultimately in in adopting a particular policy position, it's going to be stronger if it actually captures and reflects a a broad variety of different perspectives and and views in the community. So that's really, I think, been the the key challenge, being able to identify and, and capture a consensus out there.
0: Now, I'm really curious, what does a typical day look like for you? I mean, are you starting at 8.30 and finishing at 5? Or can you finish quite early, quite late? Like, how, What's a what's a normal day for you?
1: Yeah. Well, being in the state public sector, one of the advantages is the work-life balance is fantastic. So, there is the opportunity to, to start work at 8, finish at 5 if, if you wish to, if you want to do a bit extra. Um, that opportunity is there. Um, I tend to... Have an issue with workaholism to an extent, <laughs> so I do a wee bit more. Uh, but you know, my my day would typically involve in the public sector um, dealing with queries from members of the public. So in my case, it's queries from members of industry regarding the legislation that we administer at the department, uh, how to how that legislation can apply to assist them with certain matters, and also then there's, there's the the ongoing policy work. So right now we're working on a project which involves looking at ways to improve payment protection for subcontractors in the building and construction industry because an issue has been identified that there's many people trading out there as subcontractors who are experiencing issues with getting paid on time or at all. So we've currently been conducting a consultation process, a very focused consultation process in Western Australia uh, with a view to workshopping a whole range of different reform options with the industry and broader community with a view to coming up uh, with some long-term solutions. Now, how
0: big of an impact does that have on on the economy?
1: So a uh, massive impact. So the, the issue of non-payment, there's a, a number of statistics which the department has released, uh, which indicate that the, the cost of non-payment to people engaged in the building construction sector is quite substantial. And having regard to the fact that the, the industry is quite a large employer in Western Australia, that then has a trickle down effect. So it's not just a case of businesses, say, not getting paid, there's in the issue of, well, what happens with our employees or other contractors who they engage? What what happens if a business isn't getting paid and then it has to shut up shop because it, it doesn't have a, a cash flow that it can run off anymore? What happens to all the employees engaged by them? So there's really direct real world consequences um, for, for engaging with this kind of policy work, which I find particularly interesting and, and motivating.
0: And, and I'm just, yeah, I'm still flabbergasted that still, we're still living in the age where people are not getting paid for their services. I, just, I mean, is it more common than we realize?
1: I think it's it's an issue which has been around for quite a while, it's an issue which in many previous government reports has been considered to be quite a, a long-term vexatious and intractable problem there's been numerous fixes over the years to attempt to address it so what we're doing right now at the department is really part of a, an overall process of incremental reform to to improve protections that are offered in the private marketplace to, to people in the building construction sector
0: what does the future look like for you because i mean you you this is your new job like yes. I mean, you're going to be here for qu- quite a while wouldn't we both know that we just spoke about it before off air where you're getting married soon yes um i mean life's going to change a little bit isn't it
1: Oh yes, yeah, somewhat, somewhat. But <laughs> I, I- could say that as a recently married man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, yes. Um, no, look, I, I think for the future, I'd look to be tracking along in the same direction. I've, I've had a bit of a gradual career shift over my time since university where I've started off in a pure legal role and then gradually moved more towards doing um, combined legal policy work and now just doing pure policy work, which I'm really enjoying. And I think going forward, I'd, I'd ideally like to continue doing this type of work uh, in the long run.
0: And you—is it you got a clear passion for it? Hmm. You know, not necessarily where did it come from, yeah. but <laughs> you grow up in like that. But uh, you know, we've run out of time. I really appreciate it. But I always ask everyone this last question: If you could be, give one piece of advice to a first-year student, what yes. would it be?
1: I would suggest to a first-year student that right at the very start of your time at UWA, you start thinking about what you want to do at the end of your university studies, because that time does in hindsight go by extremely quickly. And there's lots of fantastic opportunities when you're at university that are really just right in front of you for the taking. I would suggest that as soon as you start university, start thinking about what you want to do when you finish your studies and really start looking at getting involved in the community as well to broaden your horizons, to discover new interests you might uh, not ever thought you had. with lots of new people and and really start getting involved in life because there's so much more to university than just coming out with a degree.
0: That's some fantastic advice and Michael that's that's all the time we have for today but hopefully we can get you get you back in again soon and uh, on behalf of UW Alumni Office as well thank you so much for your support over the years. Michael supported many of our career cafes even our Westpac scholars so Michael's always given his time to UWA and we really appreciate it. So Michael, we'll be in touch soon.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Josh. Cheers.
0: Thank you for downloading today's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. At UWA, we help connect alumni with each other in our university through regular events on campus, across Australia and the globe. To ensure you don't miss out on events near you, make sure your contact details are up to date and follow UWA alumni on Facebook, Twitter,